Hey, it's Bill Gross, uh, the LA probate expert. And today is our probate weekly probate call. We get together every Thursday, four o'clock Pacific time, uh, seven o'clock Eastern time and everything in between and talk about all things probate real estate for investors, wholesalers, real estate agents. We get um, estates, attorneys on from time to time, vendors and talk about how we can help our business and how we can be more service to the people that we come across uh, in the area of probate real estate. So I appreciate you guys all being on here today. Um, and this was meant to be participative. You know, if I just wanted to record some information and uh, post it, which I do sometimes, I'm not above doing it. The goal here, my, my vision this call, is for those of us who are in the business on a daily basis to share the best ideas, best practices, so we can be effective uh, in our business and our service to our customers, make more money, build more wealth. And for people who are looking to launch into the business to do it effectively and to help all of us um, prosper. So one way to do this by participating, uh, this is a Zoom call. Um, we do normally stream this live on Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube today, technical issues on my part. I, I'm still playing around with this. Um, but what I'd say is that we are posting it. And um, if you put comments there, I'll respond to them. If you're on the Zoom call, not only can you put comments in the chat box, but you also can uh, come in live anytime you want, um, unmute yourself, jump in with a question. It's meant to be participative. It's meant to be interactive. And from where I sit, people enjoy more uh, rather than just hearing me talk, they much rather hear um, you know, uh, your problems, your challenges, your stories. And so we can work together. So I see a lot of you, a lot of old friends on the call, a lot of new friends as well that we're gonna get a chance to meet hopefully going forward. And um, so thank you for being on the call today. So what I want to talk about today is business planning, getting ready for next year or finishing out this year strong. So uh, just real quick, if you're on the call, if you type in the chat box, if you're a real estate agent, put real estate agent or RE, if you're an investor, put INV, if you're a wholesaler, put WH, if you're an attorney, put ATT, uh, if you're something else, put something else. But who are you on the call today? And let's make sure that when I talk about planning for next year, looks like mostly real estate investors, real estate broker, fine, thank you. Uh, Lena and uh, iPad is a broker. Okay, good. So real estate, if you want to put your name, tax, interesting. Um, you know, I know that I work with different tax professionals in accounting. Probate is very specific. Often the biggest struggle that families have is doing the proper probate accounting and the forms are particular and you have to learn those. So welcome to the call, glad to have you. But it looks like the vast majority of realtors, I see some investors Soon to be licensed, great. Love to help you with that process if we can as well. Um, good. So let me ask you this. If you're a real estate agent, let me ask you, how many different programs have you been invited to for business planning for next year? I'm just curious. Who here as a real estate agent has been invited to, emailed, texted, your office person, anybody say, reach out and let's have a, a meeting on too many to count. Yeah, that's me. One that I ordered myself. Good job, Amy. Uh, Kitty four. Yeah, I think I'm the neighborhood of four or five. Um, and, and I'd say that, that um, you know, the, here's the thing. Um, I would say it's an interesting dichotomy. It's really important to plan your business, but there's a difference between what we think we're doing and actual planning. What do I mean by that? In sales, one of the things I've learned as an objection handler is when somebody says to you, I want to think about it, who knows that means that they're really not, that does not mean they need to think about it. Who knows that's the case, right? Meaning when spaces I'm going to think about is a non-confrontational way of saying there's something else that you haven't addressed. 
and I'm not comfortable sharing it with you right now. That's really what I want to think about it means. Because the, 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 and simultaneously, two things are true. One, we need to plan more our lives. We need to have more perspective. We're too caught up in the immediate, and we need to set time out to plan our business to be effective, plan our careers to be effective. We need to do more of that, but what we do is planning really isn't planning at all. And what do I mean by that? So planning to me means when I, when I plan my business, and I've recently two times made life-changing business plans three years ago and when COVID started March 17th for me. In both those cases, I sat down and spent a time that was blocked out my calendar to plan my business. When I, I, I had been in real estate uh, since 1986. At 60 years old, I'd worked for my second company in a row that to me was struggling. When you're in management, if the company grows, you can grow, but if the company is struggling, it's gonna be ugly. Second company in a row kind of hit their ceiling of what they were going in. And so I was going back into sales production. I could make more money selling than I could working for some other idiot's company who wasn't committed to growing. And what I did was I planned out a solid week to plan my business. And actually, the first time I did this, the, the week turned out to be a month. I took a training class on probate and went to court daily to learn. And I took about a month to go to court and to write notes every day. And I wrote out a very detailed plan for the next five years. I was six at the time, and my plan ends when I'm 65, two years from December 31st. So I'm finishing up year three of a five-year plan. And at that plan, I wanted to make enough money to retire with an income double what I was making the prior year as a result of the real estate business I was going to do. And in real estate, though, I had no sales. I had no listings. I had no leads. Zero three years ago when I started. So I went at 60 years old, I went from zero to in the last 12 months, I closed, if you look me up in the MLS, $17 million sales, about $360 gross commissions. And I built a company where I have 24 people in my team. And I get revenue from that. And I have stock and some other things, all from the plan I built three years ago. Life-changing difference. In the middle of it, COVID happened. Everything I was doing was based on my lead generation going to court every day. And the court literally shut down, could not go to court, could not uh, lead generate that way. And I stopped for a week. I watched Grant Cardone's meeting on how to respond to COVID. And he gave some good principles. And I sat down and wrote out a plan for a week. And part of that plan, the outgrowth was this call. And as a result, today we have 46 people and growing on the call. I built an online call on Tuesdays and Thursdays. I've talked to thousands of people as a result. So back when a time that we couldn't go out and door knock, couldn't go out and see people court, I created an online presence that's really powered my business and my business has grown through COVID as a result of COVID. So that's what I say is possible. I changed my life five, three years ago at 60 years old. And again, had to readjust it all a year and a half ago, I guess. And I, and I followed a, some simple principles of business planning I want to share with you guys today. So on one hand, I want to say to you, business planning is really, really important that you do it properly. I want to urge you to spend some time, put in your calendar. This is a good time of year to do it. There's less people around. I'm not saying it's not a good time to sell real estate. I'm selling. I got one deal in escrow today. I'm trying to get a couple more in this week. I'm working hard. 
but it's a little easier now because there's less people around. And I put in my calendar time blocks to sit down for four hours at a time to do some planning. I want to urge you to do the same thing. But this is not what, this is what planning is not. Planning is not going to a seminar for three hours. Planning is not watching a seminar, a video seminar for three hours. Because the planning is you using, if I'm a little spiritual here, using the gifts that you've been given of your intellect and taking your experience and writing your plan to achieve what you want. Because most people who are offering a business planning seminar have some other agenda. They're not doing it. I'm not saying they're not at some point want to help you, but their main focus is helping themselves. One of the brokers I used to work for has a business planning event called how to add 25 deals to your year, how to do 25 more closings. Now, who would like to sell 25 more houses? Most everybody would say yes, but here's the key thing. Would you want to sell 25 more houses and make the same money or less? No. Would you want to sell 25 more houses if it meant you worked so hard, you had no life, you were miserable, you end up getting divorced and of bad health? Would you do 25 more houses if those are the conditions? No. Right? That's obvious, correct? Who here wants to do 25 more houses? Yes or no? Put in the chat box. Yes or no if you want to do 25 more sales. If all things are equal, yes, of course. Who's willing to do 25 more deals if it destroys your life? No. See, the key is we want to increase our income per hour, or income in the same time or less time. And more importantly, we want to increase our wealth. Who here wants more wealth? So put more wealth in the chat box. More wealth. Let's get serious about this. More wealth. Winston does money signs. Okay. Let's make sure we focus on the goal of planning is the plan to make more money in less time and to end up with more in our pocket, not in somebody else's pocket. Because there's a lot of programs that will talk to you about how you can sell a lot more houses if you buy their product. And I'm not against spending money. I invest a lot of money. I'm doing my taxes. I spend a lot of money in my business, but all of it is in my plan. I only add more marketing dollars every quarter. I have a budget. I have a plan. Every quarter, I look at the plan. Where's the money going to come? What am I going to spend money on this month? And I can add some new stuff to my business. I do it strategically. So again, here's what I want to think about. Planning is not sitting in a seminar for three hours. Planning is you with a pad and paper and a pen or you and I use these uh, butcher papers in the closet. Uh, and I have a rolling um, uh, whiteboard. I sit down and think, and I play some motivating material. And I think about the business and write out what I need to do. And then all that goes into a document, which is my business plan, which is an outline. All the things I could do, things I want to achieve. Here's the most important parts, though, what I want to say to you. Don't wait until January to do it. Don't wait until to do the actual planning. I just saw a great business plan by a really great coach, Bill Pipes. Who, who here knows of Bill Pipes? Say I or raise your hand or put in the chat box. Who knows who Bill Pipes is? He was a longtime coach in the Mike Ferry system. And he's been a long time now coaching the Tom Ferry system. He coaches some of the top agents in the country. Really good coach. Great material. It's on YouTube. Brent Goh from EXP hired him in and he did a great job and he has a workbook you can download and stuff. But here's the thing. You can watch that video for three hours and then you start doing the work. 
The work is not watching the video. The work is taking the material and putting it in place. And I'm going to give you a couple of the key concepts for business planning. Whatever it is you do, uh, build pipes, P-I-P-E-S. And yes, um, somebody bounce world says, uh, Tom Freer has a great YouTube channel. He does have a great YouTube channel as well. I watch his material regularly. Very, very good coach. Well, let me get a short version because I'm not selling you on coaching you. I don't pay, nobody pays me money for me to coach them. I did that for a period of time. The, the people who make money coaching, 90% of clients don't do anything they tell them to do. And they have to be okay with that. I'm not okay with that. I want to help you guys be successful so you guys do more big deals. Maybe refer me more deals as a listing agent. That's how I make my living. Or join my team. Love to have you do that if you're interested. Or just, refer, you know, we do some business together. Maybe you're a listing agent and I'm a buyer's agent. I just had to happen today. Got an escrow with somebody I know from this call. So um, here's what I say to you. Number one thing to plan, why do you do this business? Why do you want to be an investor? Why do you want to be a real estate agent? And this is an uncomfortable thing because this causes us, forces us to stop and get real with ourselves. See, uh, I had a business plan before I was 60. When I was 55, I wrote one. At that time, having just lost everything in 2008, I had a daughter getting ready to go to private to college. She was going to have a gap year. We're going to send her to Israel for a year. And then she wanted to go to private college, of course, in New York City, of course, more expensive. And we're religious Jews, and our kids tend to get married younger. So I knew I'd have a ridiculously expensive wedding. So I had a five-year plan of a year in Israel, four years in private school in New York, traveling to New York to see my daughter, and a ridiculous wedding. And I added it all up. And, and the lifestyle that I wanted to live, that totaled $250,000 of after-tax money. And I'm sitting there basically with nothing in the bank saying, oh my gosh, how am I gonna get there? Well, I wrote a plan out and I did that. And I did, but here's the thing. I had a vision of being the father at the wedding ceremony where I saw my daughter, I was walking her down the aisle. If you know the classic father walks the girl down the aisle, hands off to the groom. I imagined that moment knowing I know a penny of student debt, I didn't owe a penny of debt to anybody. All that life had been paid for cash and we had no debt and we had money in the bank. And I imagined that moment thinking that every day. And when the alarm went off, I jumped out of bed, did my job. Because I was clear what I had to do. Crystal clear. So clear that that picture is now on my, I'm gonna call on my uh, computer screen, when I, the desktop, that picture. Me, my daughter, my son-in-law, and in my mind, I'm thinking, I did it, dude, congratulations. Because handing my daughter off with $200,000 student debt was not something I'd be comfortable doing. Handing her off at a fancy wedding, knowing I owed $50,000 for the wedding and another $100,000, I wasn't going to do that. I worked every day to be the guy who passed her off with no debt, and my life was up to date. I wrote the plan three years ago to what I wanted to be able to retire. I was 60 then, three years ago. I'll be 65 when my plan's up in two more years. And every day I think about the vision two years from now, being on a cruise ship with my wife and daughter and son-in-law and grandkids. I have one now. Hopefully we'll have another one or two. We'll see, God willing. And I don't mean just any ship. I mean like a really nice luxury cruise ship that I pay for the whole thing. And that's paid out of my regular monthly income, not... Like I saved for five years for that. Like I just write a check out of that out of my, out of my monthly household balance. 
That's my vision. I'm not saying my vision's right for you. That's my vision. I live a pretty modest life otherwise. I drive an older car. I don't really care for fancy clothes. I want to spend money on my family. I have some big plans with my family that I want to do. But here's my question. What's your goal that gets you excited? The original self-help book was Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. And he said, you have to take that vision like it's a fire and get it like a raging fire where it consumes every one of your thoughts to where when the alarm goes off, it's time to do the hard work, you do it. When the time is you're tired and don't want to do what you're supposed to do, you do it anyhow. When you're tired and you don't want to make that extra phone call to the buyer's agent, the listing agent, the investor, the extra call, you go, well, I could get by without it. No, no, no. To achieve my goals, I have to put in a great effort, put in that effort. I don't work more than 40 hours a week. I work intensely during 40 hours, but I don't work more than 40 hours a week. I really don't. I don't work Friday night to Saturday night ever. I work maybe three or four hours on Sunday doing planning and content. And I work basically, I cheat a little bit. I say eight to five, eight to six, but really I take a two hour break in the middle of the day to swim. And I usually start about 7.30ish to be honest. But I don't work that many hours, I work 40 hours a week maybe. But I work with that vision in my mind. I can taste it, I can smell it. I can tell you the sounds, it's real for me. So whatever it is you have to do to get focused on what you want to achieve, you need to get real with that. And remember, the focus is not doing more deals. You don't want to do 25 more deals. You might want to. Maybe that's part of your plan. But you want more life. Now, a lot of life takes money. And money will buy you a lot of life. It will buy you time. It will buy you experiences. It will buy you access. So I'm not chasing money to chase money. I'm chasing money because it will buy the things that are important to me and my family and my community. What are you chasing? So I love this. So let me see here. I'm investing in chief freedom. Kim, I am with you on freedom. Two years from now, I'm going to be able to not have to work and have a magnificent life. Today, I can cut back a lot. But if I keep pushing the next two years, I can have complete freedom. I'm two years away. Very good. I'm up for adoption. William Holmes, I'm sorry, buddy. God gave me one child. She's off the payroll, man. She married a guy, a great guy. He got a great job. I'm off the payroll. I'm not taking any, any more kids. I, you're a nice guy. I like you. I'll buy you lunch. If you come to LA, I'll buy you lunch. How's that one? Uh, Lena says, money is good for the good that money can do. Yeah, it's a tool. It's like any tool. It can be good. It can be bad. You know, to be biblical about it, in several places it says what Christians are called the Old Testament. Um, I place before you today a blessing and a curse. And my rabbi taught me that God wasn't putting out two hands, a blessing and a curse. It was one hand. It's one thing. It's a tool that you can use as a blessing or you can use as a curse. Money can be a blessing or a curse. Depends how you use it. You know, alcohol could be a blessing or a curse. Cars me blessings or curses. It's how you use it. So I'm going to use it for a blessing. And I'm committed to doing some big things with my community, my rabbi, my family. So you got to get clear on that. So business planning, number one, however you get to that, do that. And I'll give you a couple possible scenarios. You can go to Tony Robbins. He's a master of getting you focused on 
your big why and, and your motivation. I also recently did Grant Cardone, fantastic. And Bill Pipes, I'll, I'll put a link here to the um, video that he did uh, and we'll put in the show notes as well. Um, and he has a, if you go to the YouTube that he does, he also has a um, downloadable, actually um, Brent Gove is the one who did this, has a downloadable workbook and slides. And so I'll put that uh, in the chat box here in just a second. And also um, uh, we'll put that in the show notes, uh, just if you're listening. So definitely that's another option. Um, for those in XP, we have one within our group, Russ Colio and um, Robert Camacho do, just do one today and they'll redo that again. There's a lot of great, but the part to focus on is you need to leave that with something that gets you so excited that you can't wait to get out of bed tomorrow to get on it. You almost hate to go to bed at night. That you work so hard during the day, maybe you fall asleep and the next day you're up and ready to go. That's how I am for the most part. That's the first part of business planning. So again, don't fall for the trick, do 25 more deals next year. Hey, I hope I do 25 more deals next year. Let's not, let's not kid each other. I'm all for doing more deals. But the goal is more income and the goal is more wealth at the end of the day. As long as I can do more deals that way, I'm all in. And I'm not working one more minute. Now I'm 62. I don't have the energy to work more time. I don't want to. My grandson's in the next room. I want to spend more time with him. I don't want to spend an extra three hours prospecting, calling strangers again. I've outgrown that. So the first thing I said is let's get clear on the why, get clear on your motivation. And second is don't wait till January. This is the time of year to have that. You want to hit January running. You want to have things in place. You're launching now. So January is ready to go. Oh my gosh, I forgot to put the dentist turbine. Let me take care of that right now. You're so busy. The phone just rings nonstop. Sorry about that, guys. Um, okay, we're done with that. Okay. So you want to make sure you're clear on what your goal is, more income and more wealth, not just more deals. You don't want to be on the rat trap. And be careful when people put these programs on, what are they selling you on? You know, I think that, that uh, for years I was involved with coaching with Mike Ferry. And a lot of coaching companies that are really good at getting you in their system over and over and over again. And I've known people, you know, I've talked to agents who've been involved with like the Mike Ferry system for 20 years. And they, haven't, they don't have enough wealth to quit. And they don't have enough you have to have a, a plan to get out of that rat race in the next three to five years. It's heartbreaking to watch. And they're so frenetic about the way they do the business that they'll tell you they don't have time to plan. How can you not have time to plan? Going to plan is planning to fail. Classic line. Okay. And so I said, don't wait till January. You need to get on that now. Now, you, you, this is when you might talk to a coach or a mentor on the big pictures of your plan. I'll give you an example. My business for the last three years has been all about my sales. As an agent, I've attracted people to my company as a result. I'm glad to have them on board, but I put maybe 5% of my time on that. My job is focused 100% of my lead generation was on my sales business. Question I have now is, do I want to spend more time building out my team over the next two years? Do I want to put 10%, 20%, 50%? That's the question I'm gonna think about and talk to my key mentors over the next few weeks as I finalize my plan for next year. But I'm gonna have that question answered in writing with the action plans written out. So genuine and hitting the ground running, I already have things lining up to support those activities. Okay, here's the next thing you need. So number one is your why. Number two, you need 
your long-term goals translated down to trackable activities, daily, weekly, monthly, and I would say quarterly. The most important thing is that you don't limit yourself to an annual goal. This is the biggest mistake I see real estate agents make. They're so excited. They go to a planning seminar. They come back, oh yeah, I'm going to do 50 deals next year. I'm going to do 100 deals next year. I'm going to do 25 deals next year. Great. But the problem is that when you only have two and it's March 31st, you're way off track. And so you really need to focus and refocus your plan. You have a daily and a weekly activity. Like mine is, I'll just say the number one number that I watched last year was a contract every week. I have all, the, all of these detailed goals, but if I just either open an escrow or signed a new listing agreement every week and did 50 of those, I would achieve my goals. And I basically did. And I got off of that a little bit in September and October. I was so busy in September and I had uh, religious holidays. I was off seven days of 21, uh, 20 work days and had a grandson and closed like five or six escrows. But come October, November, I got off that track and I'm now back on one contract a week. And I already have one for this week. You have to have a trackable goal that you can at the end of the day or week know if you achieved it or not. Because if, you, if your goal is 50 deals a year, it's hard to assess if you're off track in February or March. By the time you figure out you're off track, you're lost. You know, I recently upgraded my car. I got a new, um, I don't know you call it, in-dash thing with all the technology with a map thing on it. I never thought I needed one. But I like that it's in front of me all the time. It kind of shows me where I'm going. It shows <laughs> traffic ahead of time. We need that in our business. We need to have not just where we're headed, the destination, the yearly goal. We need, also need to have what's ahead of us um, you know, this week and this month. So you have to have long-term goals, but translate them down to something you can focus on every day. When I was starting my business, it was 40 contacts a day and meeting one person a day. When I was going to court every day, it was one and a half contacts a day. And I defined a contact as a name, address, phone number, and email address. If I hit those numbers, everything worked out. So every day I went to court to meet one and a half people. You say, well, Bill, is it one or two? Well, if I got two, I kind of banked ahead for the week. I was, my goal was to get two every day and, and kind of cheat the system a little bit. But it was, it was a bankable number that helped me drive my business. And now for the last year, my number one goal is every week I have to have a new contract, which means I just signed a contract today but I need to have one now for next week. I have to always be thinking about another two or three hot leads. So I keep hot leads on my board. I'm tracking all the time. What's, what's next week's contract going to be? I have an accountability call every Monday morning, 7.15. Did I do a contract this week? Yes or no? And the answer is yes, great. How many this coming week? Well, at least one. Where's it coming from? You know, I think this one. I think that one. I have these three possibles. So you have to have a business plan that translates back to you where you could, in the middle of the night, it could wake you up and say, Hey, what are you doing in your business to achieve your goal? And you could say, uh, I just do, write a contract every single week and I achieve my goals. Like you just know it. You just know if you just do that, you're going to make it. Right? If you ever shoot guns at a, like at a range, you don't look at the bullet, I mean, at the target, you line the target through the sight. The sight's in front of you and it will extend out to where the bullet, where the bullseye is. So, like that, in our business, we've got to focus on a short term. Activity, whether it be weekly, every week, or, or daily, one of those two. If you're lead generating, it's probably daily. If you're 
closing deals is probably weekly. You have to focus on those numbers so you know at all times if you're on or off track and that will push you to put the effort in that day. Okay, that's much more generic business planning. Whether you're an investor, wholesaler, or business person of any type, I think those are the realities. Right, any particular questions so far? We've talked about the theory. I'm going to go into now some specific probate-based stuff. Any questions on business planning? Is this interesting? Is this helpful? Share one thing you've gotten so far, just so I make sure you guys are paying attention. Chat box, one thing, besides sneezing. What's one thing you've gotten sneezing twice? Chatbox, one thing you've gotten so far that you figured out that you need to do, that you focus on. Just one. You got to have a big why. It has to be like a, a raging fire that you think about all the time. Actual measurable steps. Yeah. I love watching on YouTube college uh, coaches and pro coaches press conferences, particularly when they lose. Because what you find about these guys is their focus never changes. It's always on the process. The why is mine, too many whys. Yeah, you need to have one why. It has to be very clear. You have to be able to, you know, there's, there's a concept of, called an elevator pitch where if you meet somebody, you can give them a pitch in 20 seconds or so. Your why has to be an elevator pitch. It has to be so, but it has to be so clear to you. You have to taste it. You have to smell it. You have to feel it. It has to be real, that vision. And you have to work on it every day. You have to have it in front of you every day, thinking about what that looks like. I thought about it all the time. I could, I could close my eyes and go back to that vision today, the old one and the new one. I learned through Tony Robbins the ability to immediately focus. You know, he teaches you, you can change what you focus on in an instant, how powerful it is. And I learned how to do it. It's a skill that took time through his Unleash the Power Within class. But I can stop for a second. And I, can go, I can go right back to that spot in the wedding and feel like I'm there. Hypnotize myself in a minute, in, in, in seconds. I can do the same thing with the new vision of being on the cruise ship. And that's what drives me. And you got to do the same with yourself. Maybe you need a picture. You need a picture board, a vision board. I don't know. The problem is people do vision boards and they put a lot of junk in there in magazines. Oh, I'll put up a Lamborghini. I'll put up a, you know, a fancy diamond for my wife. I, I couldn't even fit a Lamborghini, I don't think. And my wife's got plenty of jewelry. Now, that doesn't mean she doesn't want some nice stuff. But you know, just because it's a magazine doesn't mean she wants it. And frankly, we have some big plans with the money that we could do some, we could change the world. Much more exciting than, than some of those other arms. Now, if your thing in life is in the Lamborghini, then that should be the one thing you look at all the time. I'll never forget one year in my daytimer, in those days, I had a big daytimer, four-page letter. I would put my goal for my reward for the year in my daytimer. So one year I had a gold Rolex picture every year, every day. I opened my daytimer up, there was a picture of the Rolex. I flipped the my to-do list in the end of the year came and I got me and my wife matching gold Rolexes. It was fun. Next year I put a Harley Davidson. I didn't tell anybody this. I was, I was embarrassed. And at the end of the year, like in December-ish, I was driving my best friend. I said, I got to show you something. You're the only person in the world that knows this. My goal for the year was X. I just achieved it. I just passed it. My, my gross income goal. And my reward was I'm going to buy myself a Harley. Now I was younger then. And I show him the picture of it. He goes, he says, you selfish blankety blank. I said, what? He said, you have a wife, you have a kid, 
you have employees depend on you. You're going to buy a motorcycle? Are you crazy? And I thought, well, yeah, I guess that is kind of selfish. So for me, you can, if that's your thing, I'm all for it. But and if it's your thing, share it with me. Show me the picture. I'd never bet the Harley. But to this day, I feel a little jealous when I see guys on them. But um, anyhow, here's my point. You have to think about every single day to where it's real for you. The most important thing in business planning. Okay, so let's talk about probate specifically. Because I get asked this a lot as it was recently as an hour ago. Um, I'm new, I'm, I'm in real estate and I want to add probate to my business. How do I do that? What should I do? Now, again, I don't coach anybody. I'm not asking you to join me and charging you 600 bucks a month or something. I'm not selling you data. I'm not selling you scripts or a workshop. I'm going to tell you what's real, what I've seen. I will say that all real estate is different in every market across the country. And in particular, probate, like everything else, is very different. Whether you're in LA Metro or you're in rural Tennessee, very different experience of the business in real estate in general and probate. But here's what I will say. Number one, if you're a newer agent, if you're not yet making a living selling real estate, unless you have some particular in, don't start with probate. You can learn about it. Nothing wrong with being smart and learning, but you need to learn how to sell houses before you can learn specifically probate houses. And so I would say in general, you need to learn how to sell listings. Oftentimes newer agents focus on the buyer side because it's easier, it's less skill and more work and personality than it is skill. Nothing wrong with listing property, but you have to learn how to do it properly. And I think listing property in probate is more challenging than average. So in general, I would say if you're a newer agent, unless you were a paralegal or your brother works at a law firm that does estate planning or probate work, unless you have some special relationship, I wouldn't recommend it for a newer agent until you've actually listed and sold a couple of listings, three or four maybe. And then you have some skills on which you can build into a probate business. If you're past that level, um, then here's what I'd recommend. You need to... Your number one job in real estate is generating business, right? You have to generate business all the time. If you generate business properly in any business over time, you build up a loyal clientele that brings you business. And your job now is to add some new business to that, as well as to reinvigorate people who know you. Meaning, and this is the big flaw that I felt in the Mike Ferry system, that if, if I had to spend three hours every day cold calling new people, people I talk to in the rest of my career. You know, when you're in five years in that system and you made 40 contacts a day for 200 work days, that's 8,000 contacts a year, times five years, that's 40,000 people. Shouldn't some of those people you talked to over the last five years be calling you to list their house at some point? And that's because they're so busy talking to new people, they're not nurturing the relationships the people they've talked to. So if you're a, what I call mid-level, you're past new, you're selling some houses, you're making a living, you, your focus has to be now building up your database. And you can look at probate as a way to add into that database. But your first step should not be calling brand new people. Your first step in business should always be leveraging your current relationships. What do I mean by that? So if you're in business and you're now working full-time, you're making a living, you sold, I don't know, in the first three years, 10, 20, 30 houses. Theoretically, you also talked to another 50 people who didn't buy with you or didn't sell with you. 
you've got about 100 people you've contacted, buyers or sellers. You also have lenders, title reps, vendors, inspectors you've talked to. And as a real estate professional, everybody you ever meet that you like them, they like you, goes to your database. You have to have that. And so when you start in probate, start with that. The first thing I did when I started my probate business was I called every attorney that I knew and told them that I was getting involved with probate. I took a certification class and I was asking them about how involved they were in estate planning. And as a result of that, I got some business. I got it much more quickly that way than cold calling attorneys who I didn't know. So this is the thing that most people resist. And this is why most real estate agents never build a business and never get to where they can retire from it because they don't take their business like it's a business. They treat it like a job. What's the difference? Most real estate agents treat their, their business like they're a commission employee. They're on hundred percent commission or 80% commission. They don't get any salary and they they run the business the way their broker tells them to, some coach tells them to, but in real estate in oh, almost every state, you're in business as an investor wholesaler. It's your business. And every other business is based on happy customers and building up repeat and referral business from those happy customers. You go to McDonald's, I'm sure McDonald's advertises to brand new people who've never had a Big Mac before as if there are any in the world left. But most of their marketing is getting people who've had a Big Mac to come back and order a Big Mac or maybe get some fries with it next time. Same with our business. And so if you're a mid-level agent, and, and I talk to them all the time who are resistant to this, you need to start with your database. The only way to grow your business is to kind of get that database on autopilot and add to it some new business. But if you don't have that done, you can't start. And the place to start adding to it is digging deeper in the business you have already. So what I tell agents is the following. Number one, the consumers in your, in your database your buyers, your sellers, you segment them all into one of three categories. They either have a living trust or some sort of estate plan, or they don't, or you don't know. All those that do, because we call all of our database every 90 days, call and say, hi, how are you doing? How can I help you? You hey, by the way, since I have you on the phone, I'm curious. I noticed when I sold you the house or when we made an offer on the house, we didn't buy you used the name of a living trust. It was Mary and Jane's living trust. Curious, how'd you get that done? And were you happy with the provider that you used? What are you doing? You're learning who will be your future referral source. By talking to them at a higher level than most realtors, most realtors are today, hey, I have a free pie, come by and pick it up. Nothing wrong with free pies, but how does that distinguish you as a real estate agent? If you're the real estate agent who calls them and talks about their estate plan and ask who their attorney is so that you can refer other clients to their attorney, you're distinguishing yourself as a probate expert. And this is what I did. I talked to all my clients. Some had them, some didn't. We could find out, you go in the MLS, go to public records, pull up the property, see if they hold title in a trust or not, or your title rep gives you an application and you can see how they hold title. But you need to know every one of them. Again, your business, your database is your business and call them all and see if they, if they have a uh, whole title and a trust. And if they do, you want to ask them who was a the provider and were they happy with them? If they were happy, 
you think I can give them a call and refer other clients. I talk to clients about this all the time and I like to have a place to refer them to. Now you have permission to call their attorney, introduce yourself, not asking for referrals, but asking if, if they still do estate plans. I do a whole hour on this on my YouTube channel. This is the first thing you do. Those who don't have estate plans, you ask them why they don't. Have they looked into it? Are they aware of the advantages of avoiding probate by having a proper estate plan? And refer them to an appropriate resource. Low-income people, trustandwills.com, simple estate, simple families, no blended marriages, no uh, businesses. Trustandwills.com works real well for those people. Or a local attorney that you know, refer them to them as well. You can now create referrals to the attorney that you just met on the phone. And those that you don't know, you need to know one way or the other. That's the first thing I would do. And if you just did that, if you had 200 people and you called them all, you've had 200 conversations about probate, estate planning, how they can avoid probate. What's the message you're giving your clients? Anybody? If I called you, just imagine yourself. I called you and said, hey, you know, we... You know, and maybe we don't know each other that well. Maybe I wasn't that great a realtor or whatever. The house didn't go through. And I called you up and said, hey, uh, just looking on the board here, Winston or Kitty or Philip, hey, you know, uh, Bill Gross, the agent that you wrote a house, an offer on went to through Main Street six months ago, didn't go through. You know, I'm just going through my past client database. I noticed you wrote the offer that you didn't use a living trust. Are you aware of the advantages of the living trust when you buy property? What are they going to think when you make that phone call make, and ask that question? Yeah, uh, Nan's right. They consider you an expert. Now, instead of just another knucklehead realtor who's going to show them a property, who are they going to call? Well, you know, I believe so much in this that I actually offer this as a client service. Upon close, uh, I'll pay for, reimburse you up to $6.99 at trustandwills.com for an estate plan for you and your family. Or take the credit and apply it to an attorney that you want to work with, as long as I know who they are and they're legitimate because I believe in this, because it's better for you, it's better for me, right? Now, that's more expensive than a pie or a, or a set of steak knives, but there are, there are people, one of my colleagues, uh, Tanya English, actually gets written in the trust that she'll be the agent to sell the property. That's a whole nother level game she plays, a whole nother level. So that's the goal is to be at that level. So if you're a, a mid-level agent, and you want, to try, you want to add probate to your business, anything you do that does not build your database is a waste of time. You're just going to work too hard. You're creating a job for yourself, not building your business. If you want to go from 10 or 20 deals up, then you need to enhance your database in one way to go through them and find out who everybody's attorney is, who doesn't have attorneys, and make the appropriate connections. Questions on that plan? And again, it's an hour-long uh, program I do, but I just did in about 10 minutes. Anybody? No? Is this helpful? We're on track here? Third level. Third level, you're, you're a significant agent. You make good money. You want to get into probate. Well, now that's another level. And what I'd say to you is, um, I teach, my, my thesis is there's 11 different ways you can generate business in probate real estate. They're all different depending on how you like to do business. You know, I was kind of reviewing my plan with somebody today 
And I don't solicit petitioners directly for business. Meaning most coaching companies and data companies will say the data and encourage you to mail to them, or cold call them. I did that. I've done it. I'm good at it. But it didn't line up with my business focus and my strengths enough. And I pivoted to a couple other methods that I use for my business. But I tell people you need to start with probably three of the 11 different ways you can generate business and probing. And if you want to go to my YouTube channel, Bill Gross EXP, you'll see there are the 11 ways to get a sale in probate real estate. And I cover all 11. And I do, I think, an hour on each of them. There's a different episode for each one of those 11. And, and it's not very polished. And I guess someday maybe I'll do a more polished version and sell it. But for now, it's free. But here's what I'll say is, if you're, if you're a professional agent, you're in business, you're making good money, but you want to go to the next level, pick three, three that work for you, three that are consistent with your business, three that play to your strengths. The reason I went to court every day, when I evaluated my business plan, I made a list of all the ways I could get business. I said, well, what works for me? I like going to court. I find it interesting. I liked putting on a suit and tie and going into Brooks Brothers suit and tie and looking like an attorney. I look like an attorney. I'm older, I have gray hair. I knew a bunch of attorneys. I know their language. My father was an attorney. I clerked there when I was in high school. I know the business. So for me, that one worked. It may not work for the rest of you. You guys might say, I hate attorneys. I'm okay with that. But there's 11 other ways, 10 other ways you can make money in real estate, in uh, probate real estate. One of, one of them is networking. I, I have a, a colleague coming on board. We're expanding into Georgia, my team. Uh, she calls on um, adult care facilities. She had one that referred her some business. And she's building her business. Because it turns out there's, there's national networks and there's regional networks. And her friend who's a salesperson in Georgia has a friend in North Carolina or Tennessee or someplace. And that fits for her style. That wouldn't work for me, right? I, and I don't want to get too personal as to why, but I'm just saying, you know, that doesn't excite me the way talking to attorneys does or what talk, for me talking to investors or me going to court to overview property. That excites me. The rest of you might not like that, but she likes talking to the yellow care people. She has a couple of friends in that business. For whatever reason, she came from the business or something. I know people are paralegals. Then why not network with other paralegals to do probate work? So again, there's 11 different ways. And if you're, if you're an established agent, pick three and launch one at a time over a, a, a monthly period. Do one, month two, do the next, add the next one. The goal is to add these different levels or different strategies. Pick three, write them out, put a plan. Okay, in January, I'll launch the Networking one in February, I'll launch the bar association plan. And in March, I'll launch the whichever one you want. And that ends your business and be strategic about it. Okay, so that's what I recommend for top agents. And that, if you're interested, you want to talk one on one, be glad to help you customize a plan that will work for you to get there. Lean asked a question Do you recommend a course or certification to be successful in probate? I, and is there a designation that's preferred? It's interesting. We work with attorneys. They will often ask you if you are certified, um, if you have certification. And it's funny. The, I had one attorney ask me when I started, you know, and I was. And then she said, "Well, how many have you done?" And at that time, I had not sold one listing, and I should have practiced that objection handler. And I should have pulled my company information and said, 
well, my EXP team, we've closed X number here in LA County in the last year. I didn't do that. Shame on me, wasn't prepared. But the attorneys is important. But I will say is, uh, Lena, education's important. It gives you the confidence to know the business. I will tell anybody as a realtor, definitely print out the forms so you know the forms. And the forms explain 80% of the process in California. We're really lucky in California. We have a probate purchase agreement. It's actually going to be disused here in mid-December. And we have a probate listing agreement. The probate purchase agreement form is being replaced by the new purchase agreement form with the probate purchase addendum form. So learn those forms. And they really spell out everything you need to know if you really look at it carefully and really learn it. Um, okay. Uh, Jorge, uh, the wholesaler, I'm in touch with very soon. Great. You passed your uh, company license. That's fantastic. And we hit the ground running. Love to talk to you. It's George or Jorge. Uh, either way, uh, love to talk. Congratulations on passing your exam and love to help you be more successful in business. I work with investors and wholesalers and I also work with new agents who are committed to the business. Okay, it's 4.51. So I talked a lot today. Um, uh, thanks for letting me go on and on. Hopefully this was helpful. Seems like it was. Questions, comments. We have a few more minutes left. Can be anything related to probate real estate. Questions or comments? I meet yourself, jump in. Anybody? Okay, Donna's phone's going off. No problem. Nancy has been helpful. Now I'm glad, been helpful, glad to help anytime. Um, I've been blessed in this business and it's been life-changing for me that shared. So I'm glad to help people. Anybody, any questions, comments, challenges? Where to find the videos? So my YouTube channel is Bill Gross EXP. So if you go to youtube.com slash Bill Gross EXP, that's my YouTube channel. And I think everything I talked to about today is there. Um, and my name is Bill Gross and EXP is a company that I'm affiliated with. So Bill Gross EXP is my YouTube channel. Also, I'm on social media at Bill Gross. So Facebook or LinkedIn or Twitter at Bill Gross EXP. Um, okay, proud of you. Happy to listen and practice. Told. Good, Rama. Glad to see you continue growing and be successful. Thanks so much. Um, what type of probate presents the most challenges to complete? Have you had probates you've not been able to complete? Uh, Christopher asked. Yes. Um, probates. So here's the thing. Um, we get paid to solve other people's problems. I went to probates because they often have the most problems. And problems sometimes take time and energy to solve. Energy I have, time, I can't change the time. So I mean, I've had listings that, that canceled. I've had listings that um, are expired and we're still working on. I have one where uh, two heirs fighting over it and can't come to agreement. And one of them has hired an attorney and they're gonna try to force the other one, which they will be able to force the other one to sell it and hopefully they'll get a chance to list it then and bring it back. So um, constant challenge of, of um, different issues. Squatters is the big issue right now in Los Angeles. Legal challenges between uh, errors is another challenge. Um, so I'd say, uh, and have I had any probates? I've not been able to compete, complete. Yeah, I'd say I definitely some. Um, you know, the nature of the business is, uh, you, know, you strike out sometimes, but the more you go to bat, when you swing, the more chance you have to hit home runs. So I would say I've sold a ton of houses in the last couple of years and 
a couple didn't quite make it. Martin's going to email me a question. Great. My email is bill at the LA probate expert.com. Um, bill at the LA probate expert.com. Um, and Angela asks, how many years does it take to close a probate in Los Angeles? So it's an interesting question, Angela, because theoretically, theoretically, I could meet somebody who, who's an heir on a property today. And theoretically, they could have a hearing date 30 or 40 days from now. Theoretically, the court could approve it and we could be closing within 10 days from that. So theoretically, you could do the whole thing in, you know, as short as 45, 50 days, something like that. On average, it's two years. If I, when I take the spreadsheet of file dates and sale dates, it's about two years. And why? You know, I tell people all the time, it's never a problem until it's a problem. I had a, I'll give you an example of probate where I was talking to, um, I thought it was a pro, a pro per, meaning they're representing themselves. Turns out he was an attorney. Now he's an attorney in Northern California. That's why I didn't recognize the name. But he also didn't put a state bar number on the form as required. Um, and we were, we were uh, trying to make an offer on the property and he was explaining how he, um, you know, uh, uh, whatever, had another plan. And, and I said to him, well, even though he had actually gone to the hearing and got approval for full authority, truth is he could right then come to a contract, follow a notice of a proposed action, the even though it might not be legally required, the title company requires the filing of a notice of proposed action so that any potential objector is, is put on notice. Wait, but he could have been closing in 15 days. Well, oftentimes people who don't need to sell the house kind of enjoy being the prettiest girl at the ball and everybody's chasing them for their business. So he says to me, well, I can't uh, do that because I don't have the signed order form from the court. Now, what happens in LA is you go to court and the court approves you at a hearing. Then you prepare a order for the judge to sign. And I'd say about two thirds of the time, there's mistakes on it. The court rejects it. And then the attorney has to redo it. So back to court and then the judge signs it. So on average, that process takes about 30 days. Shouldn't take, shouldn't take, in some cases in, in other counties, like in San Bernardino, the clerk prints out the order, hands it to the judge, the judge signs it on the spot. You walk out that day, the signed order. LA County is just extremely bureaucratic. It's just, they have rules about rules to enforce your rules. It's just crazy. So how long does it take to sell a probate? It could be done in a month or two, but in practice and, and with, with attorneys who don't, who aren't specialists in probate, you could be the world's greatest attorney. You could literally have all nine Supreme Court justices weeping and eating at your hands you're such a fine attorney. But if you don't know the probate process in LA County, it could take you years. It will bring you to your knees. And so um, the answer to your question is, uh, that's why you need an expert on your team because it's a very detailed process that most attorneys haven't done, but one probate in the last two years, they don't really know the process. They know the law, they don't really know the process. Oscar asks me, am I a member of any attorney bar association? Now, I'm not an attorney, but I am an affiliate member of the LA Bar and the Beverly Hills Bar. And I do that because there's a lot of great education I get as a result of both of those. 
Now, some real estate agents go to their meetings to meet attorneys. I don't do that. I just don't really want to go out at night. I mean, I make enough money and I do well with my business where I don't have to. If I was new and hungry, I probably would. And I'd probably go to the lunch meetings or they have lunch uh, networking meetings and such as well. So if I was new and back when I was younger, I would have gone to those for sure. I think they're great opportunities to meet people. But I'm an affiliate member of both and I you know, use it for the education and connections. Two years are not bad. No, two years uh, is, is what it is. Especially, my, Christopher asked him, especially track probate filings in any other county. No, I track every single probate case in LA County, every single one. Um, I, I am familiar with most other counties. I watch other counties, but I don't track every sale in any other county other than LA at this time. I've looked for you know establishing a partner uh, on my team in other counties, have them do some of the same procedures we do. But as of right now, the only one that I watch and track every uh, case on is LA. That, that doesn't mean I can't help you. Sell property, I've sold property last year in eight different counties, uh, Humboldt County, in um, Inyo County, Kern County, uh, LA, Orange, San Bernardino, Riverside, San Diego, and Ventura. Okay, I think that's all the questions. I think that's at the end of time. So hopefully this was helpful today. Um, thank you, uh, Lena, you're in, in uh, Scottsdale and Carlsbad. Well, thank you so much for um, reaching out. All of you guys, thanks for participating today. My goal here is to try to help you be more successful in your business. If I can help you, if you have uh, probate cases you wanna share or work on together, refer in LA County, Orange, Riverside, San Bernardino in particular, or, or anywhere in California, I'd love to help you. If you have questions though, feel free just to text, email me, or reach out in any way. Um, I'm available, bill at the LAProbateExpert.com, bill at the LAProbateExpert.com, social media at Bill Gross EXP, my YouTube channel, Bill Gross EXP. We do this every Thursday, 4 o'clock p.m. Uh, Pacific time, 7 p.m. Eastern time, and then we put it on YouTube and Facebook, usually live, but this week we're going to do it after the fact. So thank you for being on the call today. Appreciate all your guys' help today. Make it a powerful weekend. Bye-bye.